0: Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: Do you think anyone will follow you though?
0: Probably not. Okay.
1: Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan.
0: Duke's Twitter is blowing up because of this show. So um, no, one, <laughs> yeah. no one's following me, but everyone's following her.
1: Everybody that's listening has more Facebook friends than I have Twitter followers. But you know what? It's all about the climb. You know what I mean?
0: I, I think I, I disagree. I think most humans should find their complete intrinsic value based on the number of Twitter followers they have. That's how I think we should value our, our own lives.
1: It would help you, it wouldn't sense. it?
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. I Welcome had a hard
1: show, day and I'm being mean to Braden and it's making me feel better, which is like really sick.
0: No, it it you're just ready for marriage, is what it is. <laughs> <You> just- <laughs> Taking, taking Yes. Taking out all of your frustrations of the day out on the person who's there next to you on the couch is, is basically what marriage is. That's what it is. Oh, that
1: doesn't sound that fun.
0: It's what you're there. No, it's what you're there for. I'm there to, I'm there to take the beating. That's what I'm there for. <laughs> um, love you, honey. Love you. Um, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> no, it, listen, it, it, you got to have a partner that helps you through all that crap, man. That's, uh, that, that's what you're, you're ready for. You're, you're you ready. You are to- a
1: good friend, even though we do fight a lot.
0: You're, you're ready to unload on someone. There's no question about that. <laughs> and, the, and that is the key to a good marriage. Um, all right. So on the show today, we, we will have a guest, Chris Marler, on the show, who is uh, Vern Funquist on Twitter and works for Saturday Down South and has a podcast, College Football Uncensored. I, I think one of the funnier dudes that covers the SEC in sort of a non-traditional way. I think you'll hear that in our conversation. We talked with him for about... 30 minutes. So I, there's a lot of good yeah. stuff in there. We had some heavy tunes and some light tunes, some serious stuff and some really stupid stuff. And he's really fun. He's got a lot of range. And so I think it's going to be a fun interview for everybody out there. I, I, it was fun to hang out with him.
1: Yeah. I mean, the three of us, I mean, I didn't know Chris before yesterday. Um, and the three of us can get really off topic really quickly, but in a fun way. Yeah.
0: I, I, think I enjoyed so. it. I enjoyed it as well. So hopefully you guys will too coming up. That'll be the second half of the show. We will touch on some of the coordinator news in the SEC. Uh, We will dive into the Joe Burrow NFL stadiums controversy that is trending across all NFL kickers, apparently. Uh, NFL kickers very upset with Joe Burrow's comments about the SEC stadium. So we'll touch on that. Get Um, over it. And of course, I I do think, and I've been asked this question so many times, and we talked to Chris about this, that I thought we should probably talk about it, Aaron. Mm -hmm. And it is just... Now that we've we're a couple of weeks removed from the entire season being over, sort of going back and doing more of a thorough autopsy on the entirety of the 2021 season. And I think we can make some pretty bold sweeping statements about 2021, and we'll do that coming up in, in just a minute. But before we do any of that, friend gentleman, of course, is brought to you by the wonderful folks at
1: the wonderful folks at Jasper's. Jasper's voted. Most likely to succeed in their senior class, um, as well as most entertaining. And um, they were the homecoming queen.
0: Wow. That's a yeah, lot of awards.
1: It is. And you're not supposed to be able to win all of those, but Jasper's did.
0: That, that's, that's like the Bryce Young of, of sports bars in Nashville. <laughs> Just co- collecting hardware everywhere.
1: I was hoping in 2022 that like all of my random ideas for the ad spots would just, just completely replenish themselves overnight. I don't know if that's happened, but I'm hoping that that's still coming, but most entertaining on that note, Jasper's actually is very entertaining because they have a lot of games that you can play. Your daughter, in fact, beat your ass in shuffleboard.
0: Whoa. Whoa. Let's not, let's, let's not uh, change your words. Let's not change your words. Not mine. She I thought
1: she, Marin beat you in shuffleboard when y'all were she, there one She time. was
0: awesome. She was awesome. She didn't win. Listen, we we play long knockdown drag out Uno matches now at the house between the four of us, me and my two daughters and wife. And I'm not I'm not taking it easy on them. They got to learn how to win and lose the right way. I'm not there's there's no participation trophies in the Gall family Uno game, okay? This is serious. And same thing at shuffleboard at Jasper's. I'm not going to take it easy on her. She was very impressive in her first ever performance as a, a red shirt freshman uh, on the mm-hmm. shuffleboard, but I'm, I'm not letting her win. No, that's not going to
1: happen. a red shirt. kindergartner
0: Yes. Yeah, she's all, She's almost in kindergarten. It's true, which is crazy. She lost a tooth this week, by the way, which is crazy. I saw that. Crazy. She lost a tooth. She's losing baby teeth. I'm not ready for that. All did right. Did the tooth fairy come? Of course she did. It, oh, my she, tooth it. fairy
1: would forget sometimes.
0: What pronoun does the tooth fairy claim? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not on her LinkedIn.
0: I, I was saying I said like, her,
1: so maybe yeah.
0: I said she to, to my daughter all, all afternoon. Gold coin going rates about a dollar. Um
1: mm.
0: tooth fairy brought a gold gold a gold uh, dollar for, for my daughter. Um one of her classmates got like five dollars for their first tooth, and I thought that mm. is that is bad tooth fairying. Just bad my bad, tooth bad.
1: fairy brought different amounts of money based on how many teeth he or she had forgotten prior. Uh. So sometimes I had a triple payout on one.
0: So it's like you, they didn't pay the credit card bill for a couple of months and forgot. And then they came back and paid it all in one lump sum. Correct. Got the, when yes. When they got the cash in the account. Very okay. forgetful.
1: This Memphis yeah. Tooth Fairy.
0: Yeah. Strange. Strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So 2021, I was asked this question and by one of my friends. And then I was asked this question again by a, a radio host that I'm, I'm buddies with. And then again by a third person. So I thought, all right, enough is enough. It's time for us to talk about it on the show. Because clearly people are thinking about this. and. It hadn't. It sort of hit me during the season that we talked about it a lot, and then we sort of had a yeah yeah playoff semifinal, but then we had a mm-hmm. great championship game, and it wasn't Alabama. Yep. So I I started thinking more heavily about this particular question, and I think there is something to it, and that is, was twenty twenty one the best college football season that we have ever had in the quote unquote modern era, whatever i would call that 1998 the bcs era just to be easy with it Mm -hmm. um and i think you can make the case that it was um we had 91 ranked teams lose in 14 weeks there were 47 teams that had ranked that were ranked that had lost by week seven and we were tracking this like every week on the show we
1: Mm -hmm. had so
0: many top five teams lose we had two new playoff contenders We, we had georgia beating alabama we had georgia winning the national championship How many SEC teams have been ranked throughout the course of the year? Ole Miss won 10 games it had never done before in the regular Mm -hmm. season. Arkansas was ranked at one point. Tennessee finished the season ranked or was ranked at one point. Kentucky. Kentucky. You had LSU and Florida change coaches with one of the greatest coaching carousels that we've ever seen across the country. So not just SEC, but in college football. I think you could argue that this was one of the greatest, most dramatic, most entertaining seasons that we have ever seen in college football, even though the playoff maybe didn't deliver the big numbers like we expected.
1: Yeah. I, you mentioned this. And as soon as you did, I was like, yeah, I guess I did kind of have a little bit of a tainted view towards the end, just because of how the semi, just because of how Alabama, Georgia played out. And then the, you know, mediocre semifinals and obviously Georgia overcoming, you know, getting past that, that speed bump that has continuously gotten their way for forever um, was exciting, but when I started thinking about it all in all, and just the moments that we didn't expect in Cincinnati's presence after seeing UCF feeling like they were denied a spot when they had gone you know undefeated, and then Cincinnati gets in, which I we all you know didn't really know if what it was going to take to see a Group of Five team ever make the playoffs. Um, that's big time, and then there were a lot, a lot of just game by game moments, you know, thinking about Alabama, uh, Bryce Young and Alabama almost losing in the Iron Bowl and then coming back and having the performance they did after that. And there's just a lot of moments like that um, that we can get into. But once you planted that in my head, I was like, damn, it was pretty exciting.
0: And, And I think you can stay focused on the top stuff, which I think a lot of sort of the national media does. And I think it's the easy stuff to talk about. And first of all, you start with it's, it wasn't Bama and a, and a ton of coaching turnover. So I think those are two really big things that sort of dominate the headlines in December and January. But if you go back and remember week in, week out stuff, like Arkansas Ole Miss was exceptional. Like that was one of the best football games that I watched the entire year. And it doesn't, it didn't mean anything for the sec championship or the national title, but it was one of the most entertaining moments of the year, Kentucky, Tennessee, one of the best football games I've seen the entire season. Yes. The a, a- M- Alabama game belongs in the conversation and that night in college station will go down and be amazing, you know, but, but having Kentucky start the way they did, for example, and beating LSU the way they did. And then the game against Tennessee, some of the South Carolina games, and Chris will talk about this later on in the show, like the fact that South Carolina beat some of the teams they beat and then had had to do it to get to bowl eligibility with a guy that walked off the coaching staff to be your quarterback. I mean, Ole Miss won, as I mentioned, more games in the regular season than it ever had before. I-, I don't know. Like you quarterback, how about quarterback development? Like Hendon Hooker emerged at Tennessee. Will Levis emerged at Kentucky. Bryce Young emerges as a Heisman trophy winner. KJ Jefferson emerges as a star at Arkansas. The Stetson Bennett storyline at Georgia is still a good one, whether, you know, Georgia fans like it or not. It's a good one for us as outside consumers. So I I think it's, it's fascinating that, that all of this stuff happened inside of one particular season with a ton of upsets and a ton of top teams losing.
1: And just getting to watch Matt Corral at all while we had the chance was also, you know, one of the, one of the more exciting parts of the season. I mean, there really was a lot of moments in a lot of, like you said, quarterback development, um, all in all, I mean, when you really look back on it, just probably like three seasons worth of excitement in one.
0: Yeah. And I know the counter argument would be, well, but it was Bama Georgia in a championship game that wasn't close like in the, in the sec championship game. And it was still Bama just winning the sec title. And I get that that's clearly a, a very good, valid counterpoint. I, I, I get that, but, but how they got there. Right. Wasn't because the journey Georgia? Way more
1: yeah. And Georgia pulled the normal out. Georgia was on Alabama's normal path to the championship. Georgia was the clear front runner all season. Georgia was the unquestionable force all throughout the course of the year. And that's normally Alabama's charge. That's normally Alabama's charge of the title. And Georgia led that and had that weird mix. I mean, honestly, they were just reversed.
0: Yeah. We yeah.
1: saw Georgia's Alabama struggle. Uh, on and off to find themselves and you know struggled on both sides of the ball at some point in the season Um, obviously one more so than the other but Georgia took Alabama's normal path so even though it was those two it wasn't in the conventional way
0: How, how many how many Alabama seasons do you remember where you could recall huge critical drives and moments kind of off the top of your head and say, man, they had like four scares this year. Like the fact Florida and Alabama, Arkansas and Alabama, <laughs> LSU and Alabama, Auburn and Alabama. Like how many times is Alabama in that many dogfights throughout the course of the entire season? So even while they did win the championship and they won a lot of those games, A&M, of course, beat them. So there's another one. And then they lost in the cha- national title game. So they lose twice and have like seven close games all season that gives people hope, I think. And I think that makes the season more dramatic and more interesting than a lot of the seasons we've seen in the past where, you know, Bama beats a and M just last year, like 59 to 28. And you're like, well, that wasn't close.
1: (laughs) No. And it's even being able to add one more team in there because Alabama isn't the kind of team that they only ever in my recent memory have struggled with specific teams. The in-state rivalry with Auburn, Georgia, and sometimes Texas A&M and even more rarely so than it is, you almost never get to throw another name into that mix of anyone Alabama is even teetered with. I know Florida, you know, has its moments, but never Arkansas. I mean, it's, it's, when you look at it like that, you're like, wow, it it is different. And um, you know, it's Nick Saban. So somehow they come out uh, as close to the top without winning as possible, but it was. And,
0: and not like that all year. We talked, we talked about this numerous times with, with Godfrey that like the reason these coaches want these jobs to stay in these positions, like where you don't think you've got a chance to win a title, Arkansas, Ole Miss, uh, maybe Tennessee's in that conversation. I think they've got more upside than Stephen will ever give him credit for, but he's not here to, to defend himself. So I don't care. <laughs> um, like I agree. South, we talked about South Carolina being one of the most difficult jobs in America. Like they're, but the reason you still want these jobs is not only are they high paying, but in the course of this conversation about 2021 and all the upsets and we had a resurgence of Arkansas football. Mm -hmm. We had a resurgence of Tennessee football. Ole Miss had one of the best regular seasons ever had Kentucky. Just, we talked about this all year, Kentucky, just like yada, yada, yada to nine wins. Mm -hmm. Like, and we're not even like, we haven't even talked about the fact that Kentucky was really fun to watch this year. Wondell Robinson was awesome. Like the defense was great. They were, they were beating teams. They don't normally beat like it. The, the middle class of the SEC being as healthy as it was this year and Bama struggling and a new champion, to me, that's what makes and quarterbacks emerging and points happening and fan bases feeling good about their coaches. Like that's the stuff that made the season really enjoyable for me.
1: Yeah. I I and I know I've talked about this a lot with Kentucky specifically, but I, in my opinion, I think we're back on the track towards longevity and stability, those teams that you're seeing, we'll talk about this in a second, but Arkansas – Sam Pittman trying to retain his staff because he knows what's working, and we're not just making erratic changes. That's where Kentucky, That's why Kentucky is where they are. And I, I do think that as we move forward, you're going to see coaches really trying to hold on to a sense of stability and maybe not let donors or birds in their ear try to make them make erratic changes to win on the fly. Because this really is the long game, and people are starting to realize that and really push for it.
0: I have not even mentioned one player or coach or game from Mississippi state. (laughs) And, and me and meanwhile, like Will Rogers is setting every single record in the sec history books, basically. That does put in perspective that there was a
1: lot going on, doesn't it?
0: (laughs) And they went and they went to Texas A&M and won a game. They did like pretty nuts, pretty nuts.
1: Nothing got nothing. Nothing was better. Honestly, Ole Miss, Arkansas was, when you mentioned that, that's one of my favorite games of the entire year. That game was unbelievable. I have video from, I watched me watch that with Ole Miss uh, yes. and Arkansas fans. <laughs> I like to watch the game, even if I'm not, obviously I'm invested, because I love football, but not like fans of each school are. So I try to put myself in an environment with the most passionate people because it's really entertaining. And watching that game with both both kinds of fans was Definitely
0: entertaining, to say the least. So so a, a couple of different things when I was looking at Will Rogers' numbers. Mm-hmm. A couple of different things popped into my head because I noticed this before this past season. Mac Jones last year threw for 4,500 yards and Kyle Trask threw for almost 4,300 yards. They would have been two and three. They were two and three all time. So 2020 featured the number two and number three best passing seasons in SEC history with Mac and Trask. They okay. were behind, of course, of course, Joe Burrow the year before who threw for 5,600 yards, which is still an absurd number. Yes, it is. But Bryce Young and Will Rogers. Bryce Young threw for 4,800 yards this year. Will Rogers threw for 4,700 yards. They are 2-3 and all-time in SEC history behind only Joe Burrow, and that happened this year.
1: Did Bryce Young throw, you said 48?
0: Yeah, 48-72. He passed Will Rogers. Was
1: that regular season?
0: Uh, No, that includes all the bowl games. So that that, oh. would include, that would include that would include include an SEC championship game and a bowl game for Bryce Young, which is two well, extra games. Then Will, games Rogers, than Will Rogers. Rogers probably would have. Yeah,
1: Will Rogers probably yeah. had better regular season. Yeah.
0: Yes, yeah, I just go back and check the numbers, but like Bryce, that's crazy. Like 400 Will
1: Rogers at Mississippi State threw for more yards in the regular season than the Heisman winner.
0: Then, then any player in SEC history, not named Joe Burrow, which we're gonna to get to in a second,
1: which is like, yeah, that's Jesus basically.
0: Really, it's the last three seasons. We, we've had five quarterbacks break Tim Couch's passing record from 1998. One guy has done it each of the last three years. And the last two years, we've had two guys do it. So if you ever need a number, if you ever need a stat to tell you about the evolution of football in the SEC, I was going to say. Just look at the passing numbers in the conference. all
1: you, Yeah, all you have to look at is that to know that the game is changing.
0: How about 4,300 yards at Kentucky in 1998? How about that?
1: Wow.
0: Held the really? record, held the record for almost 21 years. He held the record, Tim couch, it's pretty impressive numbers. Mm-hmm. Johnny Menzel almost broke that record. He did not, however. Uh, so again, I just think if you, is Arkansas <laughs> Ole Miss, if you had to pick like Kentucky Tennessee might, if you're not talking about the national championship game, what, mm-hmm. what is the most, what is the best football game that, when I say 2021 favorite football game, what, what comes to your mind?
1: I mean, if you, if first half of, well, honestly, Florida, Alabama was, yeah. I had nothing to compare it to, but the, that very first game, I could, you know, I know exactly what I was doing. Yeah, I could tell you exactly what I was doing during that game. It was, that was really, really exciting. Um, but Ole Miss, Arkansas was up yeah. there and going for two. And I just, the whole thing was pretty awesome. What was your Yours was
0: I, Tennessee, Kentucky. I, I won't steal. I, I probably would agree with Arkansas at Ole Miss. Like it's the first one that comes to mind because it was too, like, I think Arkansas and Ole Miss just got more headlines than Tennessee-Kentucky, right? Like, they were probably a little bit better than Tennessee-Kentucky. They had better star power at quarterback. Um, Kentucky and Tennessee were sort of viewed as these, you know, Kentucky's not viewed as, like, a a high-profile explosive offense, but the game they got into where, you know, they're going back and forth and Kentucky, you know, rushes for, like, whatever it is and has the ball for, like, 45 minutes and still manages to lose a game at home, in an extremely high scoring shootout, the same way Arkansas Ole Miss was like, yes, the moment uh, between Florida and Bama, like you talked about and the, and Zach Calzada, you know, in overtime doing what he did, like that's extremely memorable against Alabama Mm -hmm. that the the Bryce young drive against Auburn at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, that was good.
0: But just pure like jaw dropping. Oh my God. That's, I can't believe what I just saw. Like that was Kentucky, Tennessee for me. Like that game, but again, there was a bunch of them. Like Auburn in Arkansas was a great game this year. We haven't even mentioned that one. And that one, you know, a bad, a bad call again, a fumble at the end of the game. <laughs> so oh, how about Ole Miss Tennessee? You haven't talked about that one. That was a great football game.
1: I know. I just it's hard to there were so many.
0: <laughs> yeah. Honestly, was, I
1: completely forgot about Ole Miss Tennessee until you just yeah, said that.
0: Throwing stuff at Lane Kiffin, throwing golf balls at Lane Kiffen and and mustard bottles. <laughs> Doesn't get any better than that.
1: <laughs> There's some wild Halloween games, weren't there?
0: I think so. I don't even remember. <laughs>
1: remember? Cause Dan Mullen was in a Darth Vader outfit.
0: I think that was last year, right?
1: Oh, that was last year.
0: Yeah. yeah. Pandemic God, it all brain. blends
1: together. What Pan. a weird, like two year period. Yeah. Uh-huh. It feels like yesterday because WTF
0: time is a flat circle yesterday and two years, all the same. Um, all right. So <laughs> speaking, speaking, speaking of Joe Burrow, uh, Joe, so Joe Burrow said something. He got, obviously came to Nashville and beat the Titans and he's going to play in the AFC championship game against Kansas city. And I believe his quote was, let me pull it up here. Um, quote, it gets, it gets way louder in the SEC than any of these NFL stadiums. That was from NBC Sports. That was his quote on sort of NFL crowd noise because I was at the game on Saturday, Titans and Bengals, and it was very, very loud. He got sacked nine times, which is extraordinary for him to still come back and win the game. Insane. And he's already in the AFC championship game, which, of course, none of us should be surprised by because he waltzed his way to the best season in history. And a Heisman trophy and a national title just two years ago. So we shouldn't be surprised that he's doing it on the NFL level as well. But I thought it was an interesting comment because everybody's in their feelings in the NFL right now about this quote. A, a kicker, former Chiefs kicker, Lawrence Tynes, I think he was on the Giants too. He 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 posted the Joe Burrow quote and he said, To be fair, Joe has never played at Arrowhead. Having said that, he's in for a rude awakening. There is no place louder in sports, and it's not up for debate. Now, technically, Arrowhead Stadium has the I believe the decibel record for loudest stadium, but I'm on the whole, what Joe is saying, I will defend him when he says "It, it gets way louder in the sec than any of these NFL stadiums, Kansas city fans have a beef with that. Maybe, maybe green Bay, Buffalo, new Orleans, a handful of places, but on the whole, SEC stadiums on the whole and other great college venues are significantly louder, larger and more vibrant than almost any NFL building you will go to. So I think on the whole, Joe Burrow is totally correct. LSU versus Arrowhead. Yeah, that's a, that's a good debate on which one's louder. One registers on the Richter scale and the other one is got the decibel record. But like, I think they're both, they both have a case for that, but on the whole, don't tell me that Jacksonville and Houston and like, don't tell me that the, don't tell me those stadiums are as loud as the sec buildings. Like that's not, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me.
1: I have a theory that maybe you feel like the loudest stadium ever is the last stadium in when you partially lost your hearing. Mine was Neyland. Like maybe we thought, I thought that was the loudest because I couldn't hear that well after it. <laughs> I yeah, truly think yeah. I have long-term hearing from like set. Well, I was on the field at Neyland and dancing and I told you this before. Like I kn- I was near the speaker in the band and I definitely don't think I can hear that well after that, but tiger stadium at night against Florida. I, if you have not Um, been to that game, I would argue that there is possibly nothing louder.
0: Well, and and again, like if we want to debate like which Kansas city at its best or pick a couple of NFL stadiums at their best versus LSU at its best or Seahawks. Yeah. Or the Seahawks. Yeah. Like pick, pick them at their best. Yeah. Like, sure, you might get close on, like, some decibel levels or whatever. But we're talking about a play- an AFC Championship playoff game versus, mm-hmm. like, just a regular season football game at LSU. And then, and then talk about the league as a whole. Like, Auburn, South Carolina has nothing to cheer for. And they've got 90,000 people going crazy.
1: Real loud in there.
0: Real loud. Mississippi State with the Cowbells, are you kidding me? They're, again, they're a middle-of-the-pack team in the SEC playing regular season games against, you know, Ole Miss or whatever. And, and like, those games are extraordinarily loud. Right, Arkansas Stadium is loud. Like I'm not suggesting that Vanderbilt or Missouri are going to carry the loud torch for the SEC here, but on the whole, uh, I mean Neyland Stadium. Even in a bad with bad Tennessee teams, when they played Oklahoma, they were that building was off the charts. Neyland loud. is
1: yes. very, very loud. I will say, and we brought up South Carolina, Swamp Sandstorm, South Carolina. I'll take yeah. that over the Cowbells, Mississippi State, any day of the week. But definitely both. Extremely loud. Now I will say I have not been to a game Kansas in Kansas city. So maybe I can't speak to that, Uh, but
0: they have the decibel record. I just, my it's not an
1: outlandish thing for him to say is the point.
0: Exactly. And why NFL, NFL people are all in their feelings right now. It is all, all, all two days, three days straight of Twitter. Just, Oh my God, how could Joe Burrow say this? And it's like the NFL is, we talked about it with ratings last week. The NFL is far more popular the TV ratings are, are, they're just ridiculous. Like, especially if you look at, um, if, if you look at even just like the numbers for the, this last weekend, you know, 43 million people watched Buffalo, Kansas city, 39, 37 million people watched green Bay in San Francisco, 22 million watched Georgia and Alabama in the championship game. So it, mm-hmm. it's not, we're not trying to compare the interest level or the TV ratings or whatever, but NFL stadiums are far more corporate, far more stale. They don't have bands. They don't have cheerleaders. They don't have student sections who are all a bunch of drunken idiots. Like they don't have that kind of vibrancy that I think shows. It's why I love college football. I mean, yeah, the
1: passion factor.
0: They're also 30,000 seats bigger. Like LSU is 30,000 seats bigger than almost every NFL stadium. Same with Tuscaloosa, the swamp, Neyland, Auburn, Texas A&M is, is so much louder than the Houston Texans stadium. It's not even close.
1: Definitely not even close. Well, those people are insane.
0: Yes, all right. Have we beaten this one to death here?
1: I think so. It's Bad just not enough. that crazy, guys. But I get that you grew up an NFL fan. Kind of right. makes you mad, right. um, you know. Do something, not, it, do, something yeah. <laughs> do something on Saturdays.
0: Do something on that
1: outlandish, yeah. Do something
0: on Saturday. What do you guys do on Saturdays in in like Boston? What do you do? Do you just I not watch? Drink. Great football games. Like, what are you doing? I'm probably just drinking. Anyway, uh, Chris Marler coming up in just a few minutes here. Uh, uh, Vern Funquist on Twitter. Uh, Saturday down south had a really fun conversation with him coming up in just a minute so um, speaking of Boston he'll 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 make fun of himself a little bit for having some Boston ties um, I do want to mention some of the news with the coordinators across the SEC we'll do a little bit deeper dive into all of this once the carousel is officially stopped spinning because even as we're recording this Sean Payton is no longer the coach for the Saints so there's going to be a lot of openings in the NFL. So there could be a lot more changes still coming. Um, Mostly Brian Kelly at LSU and Billy Napier at Florida have settled on their coaches. My favorite one, of course, Aaron, before Mm -hmm. we get to some of these other moves, my favorite one, of course, is Chris, Chris couch, the new game changing coordinator for the Florida Gators. What exactly in your opinion is he in charge of?
1: You're already passionate. Why don't you just run with this
0: game changing coordinator? What is, is what's he do? What does he do? Is it, is he mixing the sports juice on the sideline like, like Coach Beard would do? Like, what, what's he do? What's a game-changing coordinator? What are you coordinating during the week? I'm honestly asking the question.
1: What are you coordinating during the week?
0: Yep, or during the game. What are you doing? What, what does that mean? It was the same position he held under Billy Napier at Louisiana, so this is not a new thing for Billy Napier. It feels like a little over-planning on his part, but what, what exactly does a game-changing coordinator? G- give me your best guess, because I don't have a clue. I'm honestly asking.
1: Can you tell me like that, that all he said? I didn't hear him say this
0: exact quote. Well, no, no. It's just his title. He just announced him as a game-changing. Co- I think he's also like a special teams coordinator as well.
1: Oh, he announced him as, that, yes, as a title?
0: His, it is his official title. I'm not making this up.
1: Oh, I was like, I didn't know where you were going. I was like, I don't know. I guess he thinks he's good.
0: No, th- no. Billy Napier announced the hiring of a game-changing coordinator. His name is Chris Couch.
1: Do you think that <laughs> means if they have a certain schema going into a game and it's not working that he'll flip it on its head but doesn't that just mean calling different plays i don't know if i understand the differentiation i i
0: i i, I know football you know football we know football i don't know what a ge- explosive plays like do you coordinate all right here's the here, here's where we want a big play like is that a game a blocked punt is that what he's talking about like blocking well, that wouldn't
1: that be just like a trick play magician
0: i uh, your guess is as good as mine, Dukes. <laughs> Game—it's on the Florida Gators website. Game-changing coordinator.
1: I can't think of anything in, unless you're going in with a game plan and it's not working because of what other the other team's doing, and you completely flip your entire plan on its head. But I, that just seems like different play calling. So I, I'm—I too am I'm a little confused about the title, obviously, because I didn't even know that was his official title. I just thought you were <laughs> overreacting I was to kidding. a comment. I thought you were just—it's like, oh my, you know, no, he's a new no. game-changing coordinator. No. no, not uh, also, an adjective. It's the title.
0: Also, for those listening who've heard Aaron Dugan say schema, probably I do say it a lot a, a dozen times. And like no it. one else, no one else I've ever worked with in football uses the A on the end. It is an appropriate word for those that are listening. Schema, Technically, the right
1: one is a,
0: is a word, it is a representation of a plan or theory in the form of an outline or model.
1: Went to Vanderbilt.
0: It is a game plan. There's, you're using an actual word, but it's not how anybody talks in college. But it's
1: the more general term of the whole thing, like the overall offensive schema, as opposed to like a specific scheme that you're using.
0: I again, you Vanderbilt folks in your edumacation would know the difference with the A. I'm just saying she's using (laughs) the correct word because no one else uses the A. But it is big word
1: derivative. Girl took eight years of Latin. What can I say?
0: You took eight years of Latin.
1: Mm -hmm. What? If if people spoke when Latin, I it? would be able to speak it. I mean, I know what everything means because of it, but oh, great! I, you don't speak it. I mean, no,
0: no, it's not really a, a language. You don't have speakers. to use.
1: Mm-mm, no, I can speak Spanish, but you don't really speak Latin. Way to go! But I do know what schema means. So
0: right, well, it it means exactly the same thing as yes, when we say everyone. scheme. When I say except like, except
1: for minds, yeah.
0: What's the offensive scheme? Scheme is correct. Schema is correct. They're both correct.
1: There is technically a difference, but yeah.
0: I've just never heard anybody use the A the way you do. And I like so- that word. What
1: word do you use more than any other?
0: I don't know. That's a good question. There's a I'm few- going
1: to start paying attention.
0: There's a few that I like. Um, I didn't
1: realize I was the only person that said schema.
0: I've, I've never heard anybody. I've done a lot of talking. I think about my
1: football. dad says it too.
0: A lot of talking about football with people. Me. Yeah. I have done that. And I don't I don't remember anybody that uses it like that.
1: Again, it's not
0: incorrect. That's the thing. I'm not, I'm not calling you out here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I know you're not being critical.
0: I'm making sure the listeners know that both are acceptable scheme and schema.
1: Oh yeah. You don't want them to think I'm stupid.
0: Well, that's always a concern of mine.
1: Trust me. I'm not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She's a big quantum physics guys. She's a big quantum physics person. Um, all right. So other outside of the game changing coordinator at Florida, um, of course, we've got some names we already talked about a little bit. Again, we'll go a little deeper into this a little later next week after the carousel or the week after. Austin Davis is your offensive coordinator at Auburn. You know, Will Muschamp elevated for, for to Georgia. Um, Charlie Weiss has been hired as the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. That's a fascinating decision for me if I'm Lane Kiffin. Like, I don't I don't want to hand off I'm Lane Kiffin. I don't want to hand off over my offense to Charlie Weiss. I just don't. He also hired his brother, Chris Chris Kiffin, to be the co-defensive coordinator at Ole Miss you mentioned this already Arkansas and Sam Pittman keeps Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom Uh, Jeff Schmetting looks like he will be the defensive coordinator at Auburn being promoted within now that Derek Mason is left to be at Oklahoma State Mike Mike Elko at Texas A&M left to be the Duke defensive coordinator they hired DJ Durkin from Ole Miss who also lost Jeff Levy to Oklahoma so there's a lot of changes we'll dive a little deeper into all this later but um, any of that stuff stand out to you just on its surface before we get to Chris here
1: um, obviously, I mean, Mason's the first thing that comes to mind, but that's probably just because of my personal relationship with him. I'm not totally shocked by this. I understand why this move looks interesting from the outside, moving to, you know, away from all a program like Auburn or away from the SEC. I have a feeling, which we can get into it more next week, um, that Mason's doing that with some long term. Uh, vision in mind and I, maybe we'll save that until we really dive into this um, next time and then I'm not I'm not totally shocked about it on a personal relationship level. I can't really see him and Harson um, um, going that well together. Maybe I'm wrong <laughs> about that but Mason's very um, deliberate about his what he thinks and gets on a platform and kind of stands for something and Harson seems to be shying away from, making really public uh taking really public stances on certain things i also know that the the move from being an sec head coach to being a coordinator is extremely tough i've seen it up close a couple of times it's just a really hard transition no matter what i just am not totally shocked that maybe those two uh you know maybe that wasn't a good long-term fit
0: i think there's an ego element but i think the job is way easier i, I think being the job
1: is way easier way and he easier. gets to concentrate on. Mason is a defensive minded coach. He gets to concentrate on what you're, yeah. You don't have to deal with all of the BS, which I do know was not his favorite thing about (laughs) being a head
0: coach. I I wouldn't want to take phone calls at 2 a.m. either. Nothing good happens. Or just a a press
1: conference after you get your ass kicked. I mean, like there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff. that's just not that fun.
0: So, so when you say Derek Mason might be, you know, operating with an eye towards the future, the first thing I think of is, you mean he doesn't? He's, he's taking a step back. Being the defensive coordinator at Auburn is a better, more prestigious, higher paying role than being the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State traditionally. But, but, but. if you're concerned about the long term job security of your boss, i.e., Brian Harson in this situation, that is an interesting angle in that decision by Mace to leave. So.
1: Yeah. And just all, that's never a good place to be, to be collateral damage in a fire, yep, in a yep. firing, because you don't have nearly control over the time or your options. You have to pivot really quickly without actually getting to be as intentional as you would want to be. And then also, I mean, we're seeing a lot of changes to college football as a whole in terms of, you know, we're moving, we've talked about, are we moving towards these super conferences? What's happening. And if that's the case and Mason continues to prove himself and is able to do something at a school that has a little bit less um, we'll say uh, stop signs like Vanderbilt did academically and budget wise and all of that. I mean, you know, he may end up climbing the totem pole again, and who knows what that will mean. If, this expansion continues to happen in the future, he might set himself up to be in a good position. Uh,
0: you know, you talked about the personal relationship between Derek Mason and Brian Harson. I would be fascinated to know about the personal relationship between Derek Mason and Mike Gundy. Cause that now, feels, that feels like a step in a very different direction. Uh, if you uh, can smell you're what right. you're stepping
1: in. so you're, I do smell what you're stepping in and you're not wrong about that. Didn't speak on on that side of it. But that's why that's part of the reason why I think that there are other motivating factors.
0: Okay. I like, I like where your head's at. I like where that's at. Uh, all right. So those are just some, some updated, some news and notes there from the coordinator carousel. Again, Bill O'Brien staying at Alabama for now, that could change by the time you're listening to this or by next week. So we'll, we'll see what happens with the NFL carousel. And we'll have a, a more thorough conversation about the coaching staffs across the sec If and when the carousel finally does stop spinning, there's lots of NFL jobs still open, and that could mean a lot more movement. Okay, so when we come back here, Aaron, on the show here on Fringe Element, when we come back, Chris Marler going to join us. Vern Funquist on Twitter, host of the College Football Uncensored podcast for Saturday Down South. When we come back, our conversation with Chris Marler on Fringe Element, right here on the 440 Sports Network. Fringe Element, podcast about the SEC. Is brought to you, Aaron Dugan, by
1: Jasper's, the the cornerstone of all things. Can you help me?
0: Um, tasty Jas- and wonderful.
1: Brayden, you do you do one from scratch, but make Pretty it up. random.
0: Fringe Element. I'm not as good. at This is why I don't do this because you do this. Mm-hmm. It's your thing. It's not my thing. Fringe Element mm-hmm. is brought to you by Jaspers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A wonderful, independent contractor of joy and happiness.
1: That was really good. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I thought it was going to be really lame at first. But when you say <laughs> contractor... And I was like, okay, this is it's just random enough to be good. Good for so, you.
0: So randomness is what made the fact that the, the fact that Jasper's is now a 1099 employee is what made it funny and interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I've been yeah. having to talk to a lot of general contractors lately. So for me, like someone with a tool belt came into mind.
0: They're, they were independent, not, not general, independent contractor. Okay. Don't confuse yeah. two contractors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jasper's is an independent, you know, like we do things our way, you know. Deb Paquette puts together her menu. They got, they got, they are the next evolution of the sports bar. Lots of games in there and stuff. Like they have to, you know. There, there's probably Jenga in there. There's probably some contracting involved when you win Jenga, right?
1: Yeah, gotta be. There's
0: I wonder giant, if they... there's a giant Connect Four that's connecting things.
1: There's a giant Connect Four. There's also a small, quaint little library if you feel like doing some light reading, <laughs>
0: or or some tabletop board games. Some tabletop
1: board games, a light a light um, novel on a Tuesday there, over <laughs> over a, a froze. I don't know if they do that in the winter, but
0: uh, uh, probably not. D- drinking frozes and reading novels at Jasper's exactly what SEC football fans are all about.
1: <laughs> SEC football fans are admittedly kind of basic at times, so
0: they do have three dollar domestic draft. Okay, fine. Grab
1: a Coors Light.
0: They got $3 domestic drafts during Preds games. Mm-hmm. So during home and road games, you get $3 beers, $10 burger. There you go. There's the SEC appeal. Also, they have mm-hmm. a private game room with a Pac-Man arcade machine, which is pretty cool. So if you, yes. have, if you want to have an event there, Jaspers is your place. When you come into town, check out Jaspers. The parking is free. The food is significantly better than any place you would ever go to watch a game in Nashville. It's not even close. It's, not it's even really close. not. It is, far, it, is, it is elevated. There's no question. We are
1: there. biased, but we are not liars. And exactly. that actually is the truth.
0: 100%. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Chris, welcome to the show, man. Uh, good to have you on. I, I, I've been a listener of the pod for a while. Consumer of Saturday Down South, of course. We appreciate you joining us. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good.
2: Um, I'm a little bit nervous just because your partner was just off air talking about how she's going to make people cry. So like, I, you know, I don't know how this is going to go.
1: First of all, that's not what I said. I said I wasn't going to try to but some things
2: do you see what transitive results
0: <laughs> so you're just, what, you, first, you only get one first impression i feel like this has already gone well for us
1: yeah i feel <laughs> great about it honestly
0: imagine working with her every single week um <laughs> so I, I i first of all just so that our audience sort of gets to know you, you a little bit uh, oh, obviously sa- saturday down south um you've got the podcast college football Uncensored. tell everybody sort of your background where you're from how you got hooked on sec football and how you yeah. got into the uh this 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 weird world we call digital media broadcasting.
2: Yeah, so um, I lucked into everything uh, to be honest. Like I, I so I, I grew up, um, uh, and like we talked about this. Like if you've already seen my Twitter, uh, there's nothing off limits. Everything's pretty transparent. So had a pretty shitty dad, and we had one thing in common. And it was SC football, and I just was like hooked from like day one. Um, and I think also like the first season I watched, like they're my whole family's big Bama fans, was like the 92 season. So I was kind of hooked immediately there. And, but it's always been my favorite thing in the world. Just always, I I love college football and and football season in general. Um, and so around after like my, my finished my fifth and a half year of college and finally graduated, I, um, I used my degree to get a bartending job for like the next decade and just kind of drifted around Atlanta, um, underachieving. And so, and I, I did like stand up and stuff like that. Um, and I, I, I just, I remember like listening to Every Day Should Be Saturday, that, that podcast like once. And it like inspired me. So I started writing, I started a blog and all this other stuff. And, and we'd write this like weekly article called Winning and Boozing. Um, it was awesome. I had, I had a lot of fun doing it. But uh, I was just trying to get out of bartending. And one day um, I was like at the bar and I, heard, I overheard somebody say like Tuscaloosa. I was like, "We talking football?" Because like, because as I worked at Houston's, so it's a very buttoned-up place, and like, there weren't a lot of like football fans there, right? It ended up being the president of our company, and we hit it off, and he ended up. Uh, I, I it's like the whitest thing ever. I said I had a blog. I don't know how he still fucking talked to me afterwards, but like, um, but yeah, so he, he. I ended up getting the job because I met him randomly on a Thursday night when I was bartending at Houston's um and Aaron this is a fun fact I, I know you think this is off limits but it's also how I met my fiance um or my ex-fiance so if both of those things happened at Houston's um but yeah it's just a very random by chance and then I, I joined and, and took like started off the podcast and um somehow people liked me enough I guess for a couple of years uh and and I've stayed on
1: um this is going to seem really surface level after you just poured out your life story but is this the Houston's (laughs) we have one maybe you have one in Memphis with the shoestring fries
2: yes yeah I don't think it's one uh, there actually there might be one in Memphis um yeah this is so uh Houston's Hillstone whatever um
1: you talk about heartbreak I'm like but did you have the good fries
2: (laughs) oh my god I can't tell you how many steaks I ate like with my hands just like from like to-go orders that never never picked up so yeah like just fantastic times fantastic times
0: um, so, uh, we will have a, a little bit of discussion about um, 2022. Um, but I, I I was listening to your episode last week, and you guys were sort of doing a, a reunion episode where you look back and listen back to all the stuff that you guys sort of fall in love with. And of course, the, the JT Daniels story has to end the way it did. Oh, Aaron, and I ta- Aaron and I talked about it on, on our episode last week as well. Um, just... I have a, a broad, vague, hyperbolic, cliche question for you. And that is, I've been asked this question. And I don't have a great answer for it. So I'm now asking everyone else in my life. What, was 2021 one of the best college football seasons ever? And so, you know what, man? Like, honestly, it was like every year, right? We're
2: like inching closer to the season. And like, you like, like it starts with like the preseason magazines start coming out. Like when you're at Publix and builds this excitement but like for the most part it's the same shit every year it's bama ohio state clemson whatever i mean from jump like from right from the start like oklahoma in the bed against tulane that was amazing um and then you know like it just yeah this was at at one point i remember talking to peter burns about this and he was he was saying how like how great the season's been and like for a week-to-week basis, Bama was just like a nightmare at times, right? Like they just, the offensive line was garbage. And, and I was like, no, it's been so stressful. He's like, this has been the most fun. Like you've been a fan. If you're like a Bama fan, like specifically, and you had like the Georgia story, which I think was a little bit like, there's, it seems like there's so many LSU lights in the sec now, like where you have like Pittman who like, it means so much for him to be the head coach at Arkansas, like, like it did for coach O and then Georgia, like you could tell they were going to go on a run. And so, but we still have that much parody like throughout the year. It was awesome, man. It was awesome. Besides Zach so, Calzada. I hope that guy just, that guy was the worst.
1: I want to go <laughs> back, <laughs> back just for a second, Chris, cause I'm, I'm confused by the fandom here. Cause you talked about Bam. I told Bray, I'm like, is he a Bama fan or and he's from went to college in Georgia for a while. I did see that. So you had Georgia college, <laughs> Georgia state. You're wearing Before a beamer college, hat. Yeah. You have a tech tech sweatshirt sweatshirt on and you're talking about (laughs) Bama. So now I'm just really confused.
2: So um, I have been a diehard Bama fan for most of my life. uh, Yeah, my entire life. And then um, honestly, like really didn't care about any other teams. Like I I grew up in Atlanta. And so I love Georgia Tech, like just growing up. um, uh, Like I was, I just was not a big fan of of Georgia growing up um, just for other reasons. And then, uh, but like Bobby Dodd is like my favorite stadium. It's just like, it's like nestled into the city. It's like this perfect, amazing, beautiful backdrop. Um, and so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Bama fan. My family lives in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, and so that's like the South Carolina stuff. So my sister went there, but yeah, so I, I, I played baseball um, in college and I wasn't good enough to play D1. I went to like Middleton and C-State at high school. Um, nice. I went to Haiti. Middle Tennessee State
0: for a year at high school. Did you? You did? Yes, I did. I went. went I went to a dry year. campus. In fact, in, fa- in fact, my one of my the next door neighbor was Dewan Brazelton, who was like the number one or two or three <coughs> pick or whatever in the in the yeah. draft. I lived in the baseball dorm my freshman year as a, oh, as a freshman around a bunch of senior baseball players, and I was walking to the rec center one day, and Dewan is like, "So, what car should I buy next month?" And I'm like, "Right, eight, I'm like 18 years old. I have no fucking clue what I, what he should do. He's about to get drafted yeah. in the majors."
2: Yeah, he was the first round pick. I mean, like, I mean, thank God he got drafted too. Cause the facilities they had were fucking awful. It was, it was terrible, but like, um, <clears throat> yeah, so I went there and and I hated it left. Went to Yeah. To play baseball. And so then I went to, um, like that was also when you couldn't go D1 to D1 play in the same year. Mm-hmm. So I went back to, I went back home, to like Georgia college, state university. Um, and, went there and like, like it was like a preferred walk on, I guess. And, and then started the year there. And like, none of my, none of my credits like transferred over. Uh, I'll use that as like part of an excuse for why I was in college for <laughs> fucking ever. Um, but yeah, so I went to school there and like, and I always hate this, this like getting brought up a little bit because it's like, like, I mean, you could talk about the broken engagement all you want. I don't give a shit about that. This is what bothers me the most is when people say the same old cliche shit where they're like, Oh, you're, you're bandwagon Bama fans. Like, listen, like, I, like, if your parents paid for your college, like if if your parents paid like $80,000 for you to go to Auburn, that doesn't make you like a better fan necessarily. Right. Like, so I just, I grew up with it. And I think like most SEC fans, just a very irrational love for like, you know, the team and all that kind of stuff. So, but also now I think like being older, like I said it on the pod last week, I don't know if I'm just becoming soft or what, but like, I enjoyed watching Georgia win. I enjoyed like, like, like that. I enjoyed watching the end of it when I knew it was over. Right. And it was a cool moment with Stetson Bennett. And um, I don't know, just, I, I, I feel like I support like so many different teams, like for my friends or whatever. Um, but, but I guess like band was probably number one.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call you bandwagon, just for the record. Well, I think childhood defines the fandom more so right? than really anything I, else. So if you grow up watching a team, that's really where it is.
2: But, but see, The thing is too, is like, so my, my family, my mom's side is from Massachusetts And so I made like a distinct change in like 1997 to be a Red Sox fan because I went to, I went to Fenway and if you've never been to Fenway, it's like a religious experience. We went to Fenway park, July 4th weekend. I remember telling my dad this when I was 12, it was the closest thing I had ever seen to college football, like a college football stadium, but like, but in like obviously different sport, like everybody was zoned in every, like it was just the coolest setting. So I just... I fell in love with the Red Sox and so then I didn't realize how this would pan out me growing up but like I just am like the biggest fucking douchebag fan because I'm a Bama <laughs> fan and the Red Sox as well so Ooh, it's like
0: yeah tough man so there's there's a few things I do think going to I think your parents can absolutely bestow upon you a fandom I'm a Mets fan. Yeah. I'm a Mets fan. I did, I did live in the area in the, in the mid to late eighties. So like I, my first ever sporting event was Shea stadium. So I, I've got some like reasons there, but like my father passed that down to me. So I think right. you absolutely can inherit your sports fandom. I've just been like the paying for the college. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that, right. But I, <laughs> I do think like being at going to a campus can change your fandom. Like I grew up a yeah. Wisconsin fan. Cause I'm from Madison. Originally I went to Tennessee and so I've become a Tennessee fan. I also mm-hmm. think. I also think being in the media, this is why you've gotten soft. Once you get in the media, the highs are not as high. The lows are not as low. Yeah. You, sort of, you sort of appreciate the new and the storyline. So I've got, again, I've got like six more follow-ups here. Um, no, fun. Is your tech sweatshirt, this is the important stuff. Is the tech sweatshirt <laughs> a Georgia tech sweatshirt or a Virginia yeah. tech sweatshirt? No,
2: it's Georgia, Georgia tech. tech.
0: Yeah. Okay. Virginia
2: tech, everything about Virginia tech depresses me. I don't, I mean.
0: So you have on a, for those who are listening, if you're not watching on the YouTube channel, uh, He's got a beamer hat on and a tech shirt, and I was gonna. It, it prompted and inspired a question, which is: Should a, a grown man be allowed to wear two items <laughs> of the same sports team at the same time? Because I see a lot of people in Nashville walking around with orange shirts and orange hat on hats on, and I do not think it looks particularly good. Your thoughts? Oh, so wait, you're, saying, you're saying the same? the yeah, like, same like,
1: team or different? Yeah, if
0: it's like I thought, out. I thought it was the. I thought for a second you're wearing a Virginia Tech sweatshirt with a Virginia Tech hat on, and I feel like that's a yeah. violation of some sort of code somewhere.
2: Okay, so I, I'll say I'll say this. I, like, I stopped. Like, it, let's just like I'm at a game. Like, because I went to the whole douchey college phase where I was like, I have Sooth pants. They have elephants all over and all that kind of shit. Yeah. Unless they're like at the game, like I, I, if I'm going to a game, it's like jeans and t-shirt and, and a hat or whatever, right? So, it's a, but like so, it's like a you could wear a shirt supporting your team and a hat in that moment. But I, this is a true story. i remember there was like like 2014, I had a couple of days off from, from Houston's, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go downtown, and they opened up all these new like museums. I'm gonna go museum hopping. So I'm gonna go to the College Football Hall of Fame first, and then you know we'll do whatever else. So I, I get like dressed up in like a Bama polo and a Bama hat. And I walk into the college Football hall of fame and it's very awkward. Cause like, I couldn't figure out what the door was and, and it's construction workers. Are like, can we help you? And I was like, "I'm to see the hall of fame. They're like, we're not open for like three more weeks, dude. So then I'm just like in downtown Atlanta. And I was like, all right, well part of my degree is in like African-American studies and, and, and specifically the civil rights movement. So I'm going to go to the civil rights museum and I'm walking through and I've realized like four minutes in, that I'm walking through the Civil Rights Museum decked out in fucking Alabama gear, like the biggest asshole possible. And it was just the the looks that I was, so in that, in that case, like, yeah, don't do that if you're going out to like dinner or like, if, if it's just like a normal day, you don't need to be wearing all that stuff. especially Tennessee fans.
1: That just made me think of the, <laughs> Chris, have you seen the Shane Gillis bit of when he talks about, do you know who Shane Gillis is? The comedian? Yeah, and yeah. he does the bit about Alabama football. I don't you think seen I've it? seen it. Okay, he's like talking about how Alabama... I mean, it, it ties into everything you're saying with like civil rights and all of yeah. that. And he's talking about how um, in Alabama was like, you know, obviously the best team, but they hadn't integrated anyone yet. Yeah. Yeah, it was still all white. And then they went out and played a California team. I don't know if it was USC or UCLA. The USC, just, Sam
0: Bam they, Cunningham. Yeah, it yeah, got they, completely they played, they destroyed. Played in, it was in Tuscaloosa.
2: Well, they lost by It was in Birmingham. Birmingham, in Birmingham. That's that's he, right. that's that's Yeah, right. he had um, he had like a... I think it was like 20 carries for like 120 yards and two touchdowns.
1: And then they immediately started integrating their program. And Shane says something like, it's a little late for high fives on this one, guys. It's 1971. Yeah. We we should have gotten here quicker, but football. That's the other beauty of my fandom
2: is like, I don't know if I could ever live in the state of Alabama, just to be honest. (laughs) Like, I just like, I mean, I don't want to sound like uppity, but I just, I can't, I couldn't live in like Wetumpka. You know what I mean? Like I just—that's not for me. Gadsden is not
0: uh, your 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 jam.
2: Yes, like like if you talk to anybody from Alabama, they will they will tell you every single place is just like, and it's like Nashville or Charlotte, and it's like no, it's not. This no. is like the suburbs of Birmingham. You guys have a giant mall that's has two Belks. It's bookended by two separate Belks. Think about that.
0: <laughs> and and anyway. no Arkansas tight ends are allowed inside of those stores. So no, no Arkansas tight ends allowed. Uh, I will say there's a lot of really like. I, I do love and this this is as we expected to get off topic, because you I do love the small town thing, though. And it's not just Alabama. We could talk Mississippi. Yeah. We could talk. I mean, it's not like, you know, there's there's some small towns in Georgia, South Carolina, Florida. Like they're all they're all a little different. They're in every state. But they all say sort that. of But but there is something about and we've had like artists on the show before, whether it's musicians or comedians or whatever, that that talk about sort of the struggle of the South. And, and why college football is sort of the one, one of the few things that bring people together because outside of like Muscle Shoals, which has got its own unique story in Alabama, outside of that, you just listen to one Jason Isbell song and you're going to hear every single small town in Alabama and they all deal with the same problem, but they all love college football.
2: Yeah. You know, honestly, it's like, I, I remember when I was like in, in one of my senior years, I did a thesis on this and about like how just like, I think in general people get, sometimes like their identity is, is linked to their favorite sports team. And I think that happens a lot, especially in college football, and especially in the SEC, because like, if you think about it, like they we didn't have professional sports teams down here, right? Like everything was on delay. It, like just every single part of like progression, whether it's social or like in industry or like any of that kind of stuff, like economic progression, like everything was way delayed down here. And so you, but you had college football. And if you also think about it, like, in the '60s and '70s, Alabama was just the focal point of like the worst shit possible that everyone was finally seeing with their own two eyes, like on TV, right? And like Bull Connor and all this stuff, and and everyone from the outside is, and with good reason, judging them because of how like like hey guys, like maybe just be nice and stop like turn off the fucking hose. That's ridiculous. And so, like, but but like so and you're constantly being judged. I think like they felt I you know I've, I've talked to my family that lived over there and they they are like still like will be defensive about how like the rest of the country would see him, but at the same time you had you had the best football program in the country you had Bear Bryant all the kind of stuff so it was like, you know that like I think it was this point of pride that, that became obviously very unhealthy but that's
0: that's why do do you think that what Saban is doing now and Aaron and I talked about this a little bit last week on the show, just he's sort of evolving a little bit over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I know the tornado and becoming a grandfather sort of softened him about eight, nine years ago, but now he's the black lives matter, the vaccination stuff. And now he's writing letters to elected officials about voting rights. Do you think that, that he just feels emboldened because of his pure power in the state? Is that what's happening? So like his, Kristen is like
2: one of my best friends. And so we'll talk about stuff like this. Cause it's like, no matter what, it's always like people are always going to make their opinion. Like, like she was getting DM from people telling like, Hey, you need to tell your pops to, to, you know, focus on football. And like their, their actual fucking profile picture would be of Nick Saban. It's like, listen, Randy, you can't, you can't come in here and like give us suggestions <laughs> on how to live our life. If, like, so I, I, I think that like, I think that at a time, like in, in a time, like, especially after 2020, right? Like, it's the most divided time in American history. I think when you have that kind of ability and platform to do some sort of positive change, um, I think he, that's what he, like, kind of took it upon himself to do because, like, like he didn't tell the, the, the team to go, like, do that march. He, he wanted them to, like, kind of, like, take, like, pri- or, you
0: know, um, what's sort word I'm looking for here?
2: They wanted, to,
0: they wanted to execute. He wanted <laughs> them to execute what they wanted to do.
2: Right, and like, like and he wanted he wanted them to kind of like initiate all that, and but then at the same time, it's like that's the bond between him and his players, and he's not a political guy. I can tell you that flat out, like he's not. But I mean, I think that like, especially with how twenty twenty went, like in the off season and, and all the stuff like we saw around the country, I, I just anybody that says, and I'll stand by this forever, like this has nothing to do with politics. Anybody that says they they think you should stick to sports they don't they don't give a shit about you talking politics they do they just don't want to hear anything that they don't agree with like if you're talking about politics Correct. and it's like it's it's similar or in line with their views oh if you talk about it all fucking day man because like that that's the whole thing like people would say this to me last year and i was pretty outspoken about some things uh and then it was like you know what makes you think i want to hear your opinion on on politics and i'm like dude no offense but if you're like the assistant manager at a jiffy loop in Wetumpka, why do we want to hear your opinion on it? Like, like we're all able to, like, share our opinions on things. So, I don't know. I I I think that he's... Honestly, it could be the fact that Tommy fucking Tuberville was elected (laughs) as an actual senator, and he's just trying to not, like, you know, trying to save face over
0: that. What's interesting is I don't care what the guy at the Jiffy Lube thinks about the Green New Deal. I want him to just be really, really good at changing my oil, which is exactly the same thing that... that's what we talk about football the same way they change oil and it's like neither well yeah but i'm bad at that too though so it's like i gotta i gotta like i gotta put my irons in so many different
2: fires because i'm so average at all of these things
1: (laughs) i think that people i I hear you on the on the point that not everything that a coach speaks out about that might feel political in 2021 or 2022 is actually political making sure everybody has opportunity to vote has nothing to do with picking a political side it's just it's that's it's just
0: y- y'all you're on, and honestly into the void. I, <laughs> yeah. I worked
1: in and chris you probably don't know this but i worked in vanderbilt athletics for a long time as i was the director of video production there and we had guys like starting a campaign to make sure that there was voting available on campus because they yeah. put you at all these weird spots and people can't get there and then you're still registered in florida it's just a mess and a lot of these kids have never registered to vote because yeah. they turned i when they Carolina. got there yeah exactly so yeah. there's nothing political about making sure your guys can vote and i do think it all boils back to relationships and i think Um, You know, I think he's always had good relationships with his players, but I think it's coming outward more now.
2: And and like just to be I'm just I'm saying this kind of in jest, but like (laughs) if the overwhelming majority of the group that is like is is pushing back on it is just the citizens of Alabama and West Virginia. I'm probably gonna side with the other side. Just I'll be honest. I mean, you know. listen,
0: listen to the three of us, all naive and Pollyannish about the the world not being political. Um, all right. Well, we I want to talk actual football with you too, if yeah. that's okay. Um, and that is, I find 2022 to be a fascinating year with coaching because a part mm-hmm. of that that conversation we could have about 2021 being one of the best years is that it was the craziest carousel we've ever seen. Yeah. From a coaching standpoint, it doesn't really. I mean, outside of Auburn just being Auburn because they're just Auburn. And Harson is in a unique situation uh, by definition. What it doesn't feel like there's going to be any major stories with the coaches in 2020. No. Right. That, so, you know, what's weird is, is,
2: and it's really cool to watch, I guess, to go back to like me being soft thing. I thought this was really cool. Like, because in the off season, right. Like if you're in the media, it's, it's always the same shit. Like who do you think is going to have the most, who, like which of these first year coaches is going to have the most success at their school. And you know, like, well, so-and-so be able to bring back Tennessee or like whatever, in, in year one, and this is going back to 2020, he had four new head coaches in the SEC. And in year one, every single one of them had a signature win. Like, m- like Mizzou and Drinkowitz beat LSU, the defending national champions. It, Mike Leach, same thing. Just LSU was terrible. But, like, you know, Pittman <laughs> comes down to Mississippi State as a huge underdog, and he gets that win. And, I, and I'm, I'm leaving somebody off, and I can't think of who it is. But, like, like every single coach that was, that was new to their school had this, like, signature win in year one.
0: Lane, Lane Kiffin.
1: Kiffin. Yeah.
2: No, he wasn't. Oh yeah, you're right. It wasn't Kiffin. Okay. So like, so you have all, you have all that. And then you go into this year and you have Josh Heupel and, and like in this year, it's like, we really, it's like, we, we outdid ourselves. Like, all right, listen, we had some people, we had to fucking rebuild before, but this is like, we got to rebuild like times a hundred South Carolina and Tennessee, like Tennessee's losing people in the transfer portal, like 39 kids. And the fact that Heupel, like I grew up watching Peyton Manning ruin my Saturday every fucking week. It, the, he was just—he killed us. It was fun watching Tennessee this year, right? Like, like that offense and what you they were able soft. to do. In, yeah, I have soft, right? Um, <laughs> like, oh, I got a ten, I got Tennessee underwear on right now. It's just, I'll be honest. So, but no, <laughs> I, like, I think, I think that, like, what Hype was able to do with how bad Tennessee, like, I don't want to say it's been run to the ground, but like the heights of where they were to where they are now, the fact that he was able to even get to seven wins and should have been eight is, is awesome. And then Beamer. I, no, like you know, honestly, I think that South Carolina fans have a very—they got an uphill battle if they think they're ever going to get back to the three-year stretch because, like, that three-year stretch that they kind of feel like entitled to, like all SEC fans of like that's what we should be as a program. Like, you were never—you were never that. You're, like I always say, it's the Mississippi State of the East. Like you're an eight-win team every year, but like beamer beating auburn and florida back to back like like to get to a bowl and then beating north carolina when they're fully healthy it was just it was cool to see like just how like some i just i don't know how starved some of these fans are for like any kind of success and it just i don't know how they deal with it like south carolina fans i don't know how you deal with it like it's hot as shit in columbia and you're going two and ten it is that's a tough that's a tough sell
1: we all, Braden and I definitely felt like we owed Shane Beamer an apology at the end of the season because he surprised. For just
2: I mean, this, for this year.
1: <laughs> well, Braden was just like, he's never called a play in a game. It's like, well, that's true. So he doesn't look it, the
2: part, right? It's like- No,
1: I think that's, I think his success definitely comes from knowing what he doesn't know and just making sure he had all the right people in the right places yeah. to be successful. And then, I mean, people that aren't good at like, you know, he doesn't have the ego that like a Dan Mullen has. So he's just- yeah. Kind of, you know, picking out like I don't know a lot about this, but he's really good at
2: relationships. I think that served him well. Well, and, and how about the fact that like though to give him some credit because I like you just you gave him a compliment that was like not even close to being a fucking compliment. Right it was just <laughs> like, um, but like he's good with. How people. about the fact that his quarterback situation? <laughs> people, I don't person. think I've ever seen a quarterback situation that bad. Like, like that was, like, first off, the entire room sounded like it was like, like contestants on The Bachelor. It was like. No offense, like Braden, Jace, Jason, like all, like like the whole. <laughs> Thank
1: you like, for doing that.
0: And then Sarah. I am not on the Bachelor. Okay, you my should name. No, I call him Brad when he acts. Basic. No, it's all the quarterbacks for Georgia. It's Brock. That's and also Gunner, true. they go. Well, they're the. Well, ones. Oh, it's
2: going to be so bad now. With with oh my God, Brock Vandergriff is going to be battling Stetson Bennett the the fourth. That is Gunner, oh my God, Gunner Stetson and Brock. That's a lacrosse team on a Bachelor yeah. show but, it but like kind of going back to like it, the fact that he had that, that amount of talent at, at like South Carolina. And like, if you listen to their fans, they're like, dude, well, I mean, the season would be different if we had um, Luke Doty. And it's like, what a, do you think? You really think that like, cause he's not great either. So I just, I, there was, I thought it was really impressive. The,
0: the things we said about South Carolina were basically, I think the roster is going to be in really good shape when half the boosters finally convince the other half that Jamie Chadwell is worth the risk. That's I, that's actually fair, that's kind of how yeah. we laid it out, and I, I don't think I don't necessarily believe that Tennessee's going to be in a different situation either. I think it'll just be higher tier and a little bit more stable. But they're you know Tennessee fans will go nuts when they're eight and four three years in a row too. Like they're going to well, lose their minds eventually. They'll go back to being like you talked about ex, all these star fan bases. Like they're they're fine with it now. They're satisfied with it yeah. now. But after three years of eight and four, Tennessee fans aren't going to act that way.
1: It might not even well, take three.
2: But like the thing with Tennessee too, like the reason why that was such a great hire and like, he did not win the press conference. He didn't like, he doesn't look great um, physically, but like, you know, he doesn't <laughs> very look good. great. <laughs> but like, like you go from Jeremy Pruitt and Jared Garantino, like ruining every single Saturday for them. Like Jared Garantano threw like seven pick sixes. And then by the way, his first pass when he went to Washington State the spring game was also a pick six. But like how bad that offense was just having like some like a breath of fresh air and having offense again, like I think that was like huge for Tennessee fans. But you're also very right. Like they had a little bit of success this year, and you already saw what happened with the fucking old miss game. And like, I mean, that that fan base is they've come for me so many times on Twitter. It's
0: just it tough. Oh
1: Miss? It's a bad no, it's a, ba- no. no, a bad Tennessee. Of honor.
0: Yeah, it's a badge of honor, especially if you're an alumni and they come for you. It's it is a even, nightmare. It's even more They're
1: relentless. Yeah.
0: Um. All right. So what what are you most looking forward to when all the portal dies down and, the, you know, all the, the signing day happens and all the sort of the we actually get through spring practice and it's sort yeah. of back into 2020 2022 sort of feels like the football season right and the magazines are coming out in may what are the things you are most looking forward to in in college football in 2022 in the sec
2: well to make aaron super uncomfortable uh, again um the first thing i'm looking forward to is like the the summer i had last year with the engagement being broken off and then going into football season was not that exciting for me so like just getting back into, it's like, it's kind of like being back in like when you're around fans for the first time, like just getting back into this like routine and things that like, you know, that are nostalgic and we love, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And then also like, I would say like, like you've you've got Kirby now where he has, he's coming to like his own and he's beaten Nick Saban and and Saban's not been beaten twice. Right. So like as a band fan, I'll first off say the revenge tour for next year is going to be a lot of fun. It like, it like, A lot of fun. I am assuming the offensive line will be better. And we won't have four running backs out um, like just throughout the whole season. And also Slade Bolden decided to go pro, which I don't, he's not going to get drafted, but good for him for making the graphic, I guess. Um, So I'm excited for that. But then like going in, going into like, I guess year two of some of the stuff with Beamer and and you have some really, really good non-conference matchups early on Um, like, like Georgia, Oregon, Bama goes out to Texas. I think somebody goes to Notre Dame. I think Arkansas goes to Notre Dame. That doesn't they, those that two, they, they should never hang out. That is a weird thing. But um, <laughs> I think like for the most part, it's it's kind of like I'm looking forward to seeing like how you, you do have generational talent in like in Tuscaloosa, especially, where that, that it has to come back, right? Like they can't they can't go pro. So having Bryce, you have the two best players, or the best player on offense and the best player on defense in America. So that'll be a lot of fun. Then you also have stuff like other storylines, like KJ Jefferson, who just flew under the radar until like the very last week of the season or something like that, and who was who was awesome. And like seeing if he can take like does Arkansas now take the next step? Like I don't think they'll be like the Mallet years or the Petrino years, but like do they do it like Kentucky? Are they able to do it like Kentucky has done? Like which is sustain? Catch fire and and win ten games, something like that. Like that's it seems so far-fetched and like, like delusional almost, but like winning seven games this year, I think would be the same thing. Um, outside of that, like Brian Kelly, uh, that is going to be, I just don't (laughs) think that's going to go well. That, that is he, I mean, I wish I had his confidence because he just does not understand that everyone else is laughing at him. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how that goes. And then also, you know, like year one of Napier and like the Florida fans who have finally had to talk themselves into, into like the, the fact that they're not as good as Georgia. And they had to like learn that firsthand finally. Um, and I don't know if they even still believe it, but like watching how, how dedicated and like supportive that fan base is to Napier. Cause it's like, it have got so bad with Mullen, right. On the, on the other side of that, what's going on at Auburn? Because Brian Harson could have been your leading candidate for SEC coach of the year in, in October, And then November happened Mm -hmm. and I don't know what he was doing, but like, you know, just there, I mean, like from the stuff I've heard close to that program, like it wasn't that far-fetched that he, he would have like, if if a couple more things had gone wrong, like he,
0: he might've been gone this year. I I think this is not, I don't think this is a hot take. The Supreme court might have stopped Brian Harson from getting fired. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, like just, if you want to add a layer to how weird it can get on the plane, that might be a thing that happened last year.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think like, I I really going into next year too, I feel like there's so much more parity, and we talk about the SEC, obviously, but like even teams like Michigan who's a blue blood, obviously, even though they've only won a fucking half a national championship since 1948, they will never admit to it. But like, but like you have so much more parity. but now I think this year, you're going to start seeing like a return to power from some like very, very traditional blue bloods that like, that have been out for a while. Like USC is going to be successful because the PAC 12 sucks. And also like Lincoln Riley is going to be successful there. Right. I'm still a big believer in Steve Sarkeesian. And I think that the talent he's bringing in it, like from the portal and his recruiting classes, I, I just think that Texas is going to be a nightmare to deal with at, a little bit like, at like maybe not like 12 and 0, but with him and and his like he's the best offensive line in, in football, just period. And so, wow. wow. I, I mean, I think like well for college football, um, I, I just I think that like they could be really good. And and yeah, I, I would say that I would say that. And then also Kiffins,
0: you know. Yeah, I was gonna say Joey Freshwater is offended at your statement about Steve Sarkisian. Well, I mean, it's
2: it's you. like one. Well, no, Sarkisian's better than Lane Kiffin. Okay. Uh, but All I'm right. also saying that because Sarkeesian didn't show up to fucking practice before the national championship with a bottle of champagne give everyone the finger and then leave to go to Boca. So.
0: <laughs> There's that to consider. Aaron, you got anything else, uh, for our wonderful guest
1: I'm trying to think
0: you Chris, go first. I'm gonna well, well I was going to say, Chris, tell everybody where people can find you, plug all the stuff, give everybody, you know, college football and censored, yeah. Saturday down South, do all that good stuff. Yeah. So, um, if, I mean, well, actually no,
2: I'm, I don't run the social media at Saturday on South anymore, so you should still follow, but. You know, it, I won't be as enthusiastic about it. Uh, so <laughs> podcast is College Football Uncensored. It's a lot of fun. Um, I, I, it took like three or four years uh, until I was finally allowed to say the F word without having to bleep it out. Nice. Um, so now we have, we have uh, our own podcast over there, me and my buddy Tyler Huck. So you can check that out. Um, I think on Twitter, it's like CFB underscore uncensored. And then I'm, my social media handle is Vern Funquist. Um, and as like from, it sounded like from Aaron, when we signed on here, um, it seems like a really impressive Twitter feed, uh, like okay. for anybody that doesn't know me. So you'll, you'll, you'll follow me and like three days later, you'll be gone. We
1: well, do know quickly when you look at it, that there are some sensitivities that we tried to avoid like corgis. Oh um, yeah. Don't talk
0: about corgis. Well, that's it. I, I, that's I, it. I'm, that's
1: his line right there. There it is. I mean, like,
0: the, like there's a sensitive, it's just that I am a Mich- I'm like the Michigan fan of corgis. I, I had a half a corgi growing up. Uh-huh. um so for the 40 years i've had half a corgi and that's the only corgi i can claim um over yeah. that four over that four decades i'm the michigan fan of corgis uh chris thank you so, so much. i had Ad- like a reggie bush corgi like i i, I <laughs> had corgis and then they were taken away from me for no fucking
2: reason um because <laughs> of my ex so it's like it's kind of very similar <laughs> at least that's hopefully hopefully up.
0: your hopefully your parents didn't have to give a house back that's that's a that's no a- no that's it a- <laughs> That's an important part of this equation. Chris, thank you so much, man. Again, the podcast college football and censored Saturday down South at, at uh, Vern Funquist. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, man. We appreciate it. Yeah. Enjoy it, guys. That was Chris Marler from Saturday down South. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did and you did. And we did. That was a, that was a fun conversation. Uh, we will be talking with Chris more often this off season. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. He's kind of fun to pick on, honestly. It's probably a nice break for you.
0: (laughs) Gee, thanks. (laughs) I'm I'm glad. Yes, that's what I look for in guests on the show is someone that can stand in and be my cutout for Aaron's, (laughs) Aaron's hatred and evilness and bullying. You're a bully. That's what you are. You're a bully.
1: I'm not a bully.
0: Oh, there's more than a few bullies at Athlon Sports back in the day. Okay. You were one of them. So were you. No, I didn't. I never said a mean word to anybody. Brayden, I've never raised my voice at anybody.
1: I got we got in like a couple knockdown dragout fights at Athlon Sports that were moments away from being physical.
0: No, <laughs> I have never once been moments away from putting my hands on okay. a female. Well, I
1: have been never happens. moments away from punching you in the face for
0: sure. Well, you wouldn't be the first, but I have never. That's because I'm misunderstood. That's my problem. You misunderstood what? No, I am misunderstood. People think <laughs> people think I am some aggressive abrasive, like mean person. And I'm just, it's could not be farther from no, that. I
1: don't think you're mean. I just didn't. We, we both have moments of maybe not thinking through
0: hmm. every
1: way that our words could be interpreted. And you're a sports and? radio dude. How much of a defense <laughs> do you have? Zero, zero, honest.
0: zero. I have none. <laughs> okay. I, I am uh i I'm a sports radio host who gets railed on Twitter and is married with two daughters. I have, it's all gone. It's right. It's all gone. Well,
1: we clearly have a resilient friendship if we're doing this every that's, week. So that's true.
0: That's true. Like a decade later, um, strength. Thank you to Chris for hanging out with us, Aaron. Where can people find you?
1: The Aaron Dugan on Twitter and Aaron underscore Dugan on the Gram. This and where you can find say, us on YouTube.
0: That's also true. That's a good point. You, you do great work to get us up on YouTube. This is where you say, Braden. Where can people find you?
1: You can find him at no, Brad no, no, Engel.
0: No no, no, no. Say what I say. The words. Braden, this is what
1: if I wanted to tell them
0: where can they, find? because I've got a whole thing here,
1: Braden, where can they find you on Instagram and on social media? Jaspers.
0: You can find me at Jaspers. You can find me at Jaspers. I see.
1: I see. It's the next
0: evolution of the sports bar. It's got great happy hours, great food, free parking. You can always find me at Jaspers. If you'd like to insult me and my opinions about anything in the world, then you can find me at Jaspers and I'll talk to you about it. (laughs) Or shoot me a tweet at Braden. Yep at Brayden on Instagram. Go to the YouTube page. Check out all the great work there by Dugues. And Please company. subscribe for we, the love of God. We do appreciate that. Uh, thank you guys all for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. Go to YouTube, everybody. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network.
1: Peace.